Good afternoon, America, and welcome to another edition of the Sea Report. Uh, thank you for joining us on this Tuesday afternoon. We're coming to you live across several streams, everywhere from the much-hated YouTube to uh, Twitch and to the Foxhole app. Uh, speaking of which, boop! Um, I'd like to start off the show today by saying thank you to Methods for inviting us and for the warm welcome to Foxhole and for encouraging... <laughs> several of his uh, fox hoppers to stop on into the sea report and checking out Q&A holes. Now, you might be wondering why I have my finger on my nose. Well, I just went through some comments yesterday and I just wanted to let you guys uh, know that I appreciate all of the warm wishes and kind of wanted to respond to some before we got underway. Uh, Christine C., who shares the name of my sister, we are all a-holes now. I love it. Suki, love hearing the DJT news. Well, let me tell you what, Suki, I love bringing it to you. Uh, Helios 1, if not revived from a heart attack fast enough in seven minutes, that could equal brain damage. Thank you, Helios, for that clarification, because I really wasn't sure, so I do appreciate that. Uh, FVT, there are millions of people who have the antibiotics because they had it already. Yeah, we're talking about COVID there, and I probably had COVID about five times already since this whole thing started. Um, Day Tripper, Hoodsy P, I love it, Hoodsy P. Jewels of Truth, NASA's probably best equipped to deal with aliens. That is so, so true. <laughs> I couldn't even think of it. And then, uh, hey, uh, hey, 76 Patriot Girl, and finally, Canadian Patriot. If Foxhole is awesome, touch your nose. Boop, boop. So I just wanted to make sure I got that out there for you guys. Again, thanks for the warm welcome to, to uh, Foxhole. We're so happy to be part of the community. I'm very happy. Um, it's a very welcoming community, and um, I can't wait to get to know the rest of you guys. Um, and then by way of another bit of housekeeping, um, we had some scheduling confusions we're still learning guys so we'll get it we'll get it right you probably saw the q a holes live uh, for 8 p.m 9 p.m tonight well 8 p.m central 9 p.m eastern depending on where you are uh so we will be here tonight so stay tuned so you can see the full show with the rest of the hosts that's uh mr w myself and uh i believe uh joe one of two will be in with us tonight so you're in for a treat all right guys with that said let's get into today's report Okay, so going through the headlines recently, um, we had this man in the headlines. Bam! Now, some of you guys probably recognize that man as Sylvester Stallone. You know, I'd say for his age, he looks appropriate, you know, right? I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't question whether or not he's been uh, harvesting the adrenochrome of young children or not when I see him. Uh, so I was like, cool, well, what's going on with Sylvester Stallone? Well, in an article from the Western Journal, according to the New York Post, Stallone recently purchased a 13,241 square foot mansion in Palm Beach, Florida for the bargain price of $35 million. Uh, shortly after, he paid $200,000, which is the initiation fee, to join Trump's Mar-a-Lago Club. Uh, now, those who are familiar with the Stallone family are not surprised by this development. After all, Sylvester's younger brother, Frank, has had a long and tight-knit relationship with Donald Trump, President Trump. The uh, Washington Times conducted an interview with Frank just after Trump's inauguration in 2017, uh, during which the younger Stallone said that Trump was going to do great as president because I've worked with him and known him a long time. He's a guy who's not programmed to fail. 
So that's pretty amazing there, guys. Pretty amazing. Uh, so that's something to look forward to. You know, like, um, I personally didn't know about the Trump-Stallone connection, but I'll tell you what, um, it, it makes sense. You know, if he's going to be pulling down punches like Rocky in uh, Rocky Five and knocking them Russians down, right? No. But yeah, so I thought that was a pretty cool thing to start the show off with. So who knows? We may have another sleeper patriot in the wings in the uh, the media and the entertainment industry. Um, those guys, it's hard for them to come out. But as the article noted, you know, Sylvester is very, very wealthy. And he basically just appears in movies at his leisure or if he wants to. It's not that he needs to. So uh, much like we see, like uh, Mike Lindell or also who is that? Patrick Byrne, who's the former CEO of... Uh, Overstock.com. Now, Patrick Byrne, if you guys know anything about Patrick Byrne, I would definitely look him up. This guy's been on the inside track defending our country from this behind the net, behind the scenes for quite some time, at least since like what, 16, 12, maybe 2008. Um, he's been involved. So I'd say definitely look at Patrick Byrne if you don't know about him already, but I'm pretty sure you guys do. Uh, and that'll give you kind of an inside scoop onto what's going on in there. But now in the way of other headlines to start off the show, uh, we did have a um, statement coming from our 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump, in regards to what's been going on with uh, Congressman Matt Gates of Florida, or Matt Gates of Florida. Um, and this is in regards to the allegations that he's involved in a human trafficking scandal, statutory rape scandal, um, among other things, as we'll explore. But let's start off with the statement from our president, Donald Trump. It says, fake news, CNN, relying on all anonymous sources, meaning they probably made the whole thing up wrote a very dishonest story claiming Congressman Matt Gatz asked for a meeting with me at Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, and was denied. This is completely false. Why doesn't CNN investigate and write about lightweight Democrat Congressman Eric Swalwell, whom is uh, affectionately referred to as Eric Swallowell in the patriot communities, who had a torrid and physical relationship with the Chinese spy Feng Feng? <laughs> Sorry, that name just makes me laugh every time I see it. But is somehow on the once prestigious House Intelligence Committee. Uh, Swalwell, who ran for president and dropped out with a record settling 0% in the polls, has been compromised and is a national security threat to the United States. He should be removed from the committee immediately. So now we know the allegations with Swalwell were true. Hello. It's kind of funny how a lot of the Democrats seem to have, um, if it's not extramarital affairs like Mr. Swalwell, um, it's someone in their family or they're married into someone that has a lot to do with Chinese business finance corporations or government. It's pretty, pretty interesting. It's always in the sphere of the Democrats, right? Anyways, so that's what uh, Donald Trump had to say, President Trump had to say in regards to this issue. We did see that uh, they were also declaring that Matt Gates had a uh, called for a, a full pardon, a blanket pardon, um, uh, but which also Matt Gates has denied in statement. Um, but we here at the Sea Report actually had not really covered this whole scandal, bunny ears there, 
uh, with Matt Gates uh, for the simple reason that with all of the rap smear campaign going on in the media, everyone talking about it, I swear just about every article that I peer through today, all of the articles began with what the allegations were. Uh, and, and, you know, basically after the second paragraph, I was losing interest. And that's basically what they depend on all the lemming Americans of the world uh, to do. Uh, you read the headline, maybe a paragraph or so, and then you just turn the page. So all of them had the allegations. All of them talked about what he was being accused of, even the articles that were talking about, uh, you know, uh, seeking a Trump pardon, seeking to speak to Trump, uh, getting his attorneys, um, even, even when we were talking about this whole extortion thing that was going on between him and uh, one of the former, um, I believe it was Attorney Generals of uh, Florida, but we'll get into that here. So let's see here. Um, now, like I said, CNN amongst all of them, MSNBC, all the bad guys, you know, all the usual characters, all the legacy media, they all they all ran with the story as quick as they could. Of course, we know that Matt Gates has been an America First patriot. He's been one of the strongest and most um, vocal um, um uh, vocal supporters of President Trump. So it figured that they would go after him with the story like this. Now, the story does get a little bit more tangled. Uh, we know that um, there was an extortion plan between... Uh, let me see if I can get this guy's name here. I have it. Mm, it was uh, McGee. The name was the name of the guy was McGee. He says uh, this this guy McGee is the one who is trying to extort his family for the money in order to make this story go away. And then the Gates family got involved with the FBI, let them know what was going on, and then uh, the FBI had his dad wear a wire. So now with all of this blowing up, and um, also the uh, child statutory rape and the uh, child tra or the human trafficking, that story was leaked, of course, by the New York Times to get a ahead of this extortion plot uh, that the FBI and the Gates family were getting together to undermine the extorters or to, to bust them, basically catch them at this, this, uh, this um, bribery or blackmail plot. So um, let's see here. Let's look at a statement that came from the Committee on Ethics. Um, now, this is a statement they released. Uh, interestingly enough, it's marked at January, June 28th, 2019. So uh, I don't know what's up with that, but it says um, on March 13, 2019, the committee received a member complaint against Representative Matt Gates. The committee then began to review pursuant to the committee rules 16C and 18A into allegations that Representative Gates sought to threaten, intimidate, harass, or otherwise improperly influence the president's former attorney, Michael Cohen, in connection with the Cohen's testimony before a congressional committee. Um, let's see here. So that was something else going on here. Hmm. I'm pretty sure I pulled the right story, but uh, the allegations went on to include other things, uh, including like um, uh, improper use of finance funds and the likes. Uh, now, the Daily Caller says um, Matt Gatz was, oh, pardon me, Matt Gatz was also accused of participating in sex trafficking, accepting bribes, and had shared inappropriate photos on the House floor, among other reports in early April. New charges added included illegally using drugs and committing campaign finance violations. So those are some of the other ones that came up on top of that. Now, uh, Gates is also being investigated by the FBI with accordance, in accordance with a sex trafficking investigation against Joel Greenberg, 
the former tax collector for Seminole County, Florida, and Gates' political ally. He reportedly paid Greenberg hundreds of dollars via the Venmo app, which Greenberg then used to pay three young women. So those are some of the more some more of the details coming out about this now. And searching for more of what was going on with this story, we pretty much have come to a standstill in regards to. Um, uh, Matt Gates is still uh, defying the allegations. He's saying he's going to. He's saying he's going to stay in Congress. He's going to stay fighting. I mean, he is also. Uh, it seems not geared to uh, stand down, uh, and that's in spite of the fact that House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy has said that he will be removed from his, um, you know, his duties, uh, serving on any committees that he might be a part of, um, if it is proven to be true. And of course, we do have other representatives who are already calling for him to step down. And then this, again, to me, is just another idea of a rap smear campaign where they put a headline out there regardless of, its, uh, regardless of whether or not it's real. And then everybody just seems to run with it. So uh, that's something interesting to um, ponder over uh, because the other side of this, of course, I believe, is it's going to show the American people because, after all, the American people have to see it. We we can't just be told, but um, it's going to show the American people how I think it's going to show them how um, the bribery and blackmailing and extorting kind of works, kind of the mechanics of that. I believe it's also going to show more of the mechanics of the media rap smear machine and how the two work in tandem. Because, of course, when you think about things like, well, take, for example, like John Brennan and how they used to have supposed leaks about or hacks into computer files and stuff like that. Well, those are actually uh, those are actually uh, his people going on the inside and taking or removing or adding information and then declaring it to be a hack. We saw the same thing with the leaks with Adam Schiff. Okay, like he would leak to the newspapers to get the story and the rap smear out there ahead of what um, they were finding out in closed doors or in the uh, um, impeachment sessions. So this way, the uh, media could already begin to shape the narrative and then use the media to uh, basically uh, uh, be their proof in the pudding that what they were saying was true and they're the ones who started the leak. So this, I think, is going to just illustrate more of those mechanics as, as this story moves along. And I'm sure that there will be much more developing on that issue. Um, now, it does say that, Republican, um, that Matt Gates has retained attorneys uh, by the name of Mark Mukasey and Isabel Kirshner, and they will be uh, leading his legal team, and that is according to the Associated Press as of Friday the 9th. So that's just a little bit of info there on what's going on in the Trump sphere. This one involving one of his staunch supporters. Oh, look, let's show this with you, share with this you guys before I move on from the story. Uh, this is a tweet from Matt Gaetz um, uh, responding to any of these allegations. Uh, it says here, over the past several weeks, my family and I have been victims of an organized criminal extortion involving a former DOJ official seeking $25 million while threatening to smear my name. We have been cooperating with federal authorities in this matter, and my father has even been wearing a wire at the FBI's direction to catch these criminals. The planted leak to the FBI tonight was intended to thwart that investigation. No part of the allegations against me are true, and the people pushing these lies are targets. Um, and then down here it says, of the ongoing extortion investigation, I demand the DOJ immediately releases the tapes made at their direction, which implicate their former colleague in crimes against me based on false 
allegations. So yeah, that's uh, that's what he has to say in regards to that matter. Now, I'm not going to speculate on whether or not this man is guilty or innocent. I mean, of course, I do believe he's innocent. That's not speculation. That's just my belief. But I'm not going to speculate about any of the details. And we're just going to wait to see how it plays out. I really just didn't want to get rolled up in this media campaign because everyone is talking about it and everyone is trying to take down this uh, congressman who has been... Um, who's been a uh, representative of uh, America First, the people, and um, also Donald Trump. So yes, that is quite an issue. We'll follow up on it on the C-Report as the story develops. I'm just looking forward to seeing these people um, who are behind this extortion plan taken down and getting some of the mechanics of all of that removed. All right, guys, so next we're going to go on to some 2A news, Second Amendment news in regards to gun owners of America. Uh, these guys have recently uh, recently pushed back on Joe Biden's executive order, um, which was, uh, of course, passing red flag gun laws, uh, banning ghost guns, among other things. Uh, now, Colorado passed their uh, two gun control bills. We'll get to we'll get to GOA in a minute, but um, the state of Colorado did pass two gun control bills recently, um, and they are headed to Governor Jared Polis's desk to be signed into law. Now, the bills are Senate Bill 78, which would require state residents to report a stolen or lost firearm within five days of realizing it went missing. If not, owners would be punished via a $25 fine and a subsequent offense would be a class three misdemeanor, which would require jail time. That one's kind of funny to me. I mean, if you think about the wording of it, um, five days within realizing it went missing. I mean, this, this bill almost seems to have no weight other than to have a chilling effect on people maybe, or maybe to see if people will just buckle and fold and go along with it. Because you know what they say, if you give them an inch, right? Well, House Bill 1106 would require firearm owners to use a trigger lock or would have to store their guns in a safe if they know a child or someone who can't possess a firearm could get access to the gun. If not, owners could face a Class 2 misdemeanor, including jail time and a fine. And of course, all of this comes in the wake of the uh, Colorado shooting that happened um, I believe it was about last uh, rec uh, this past month in uh, at a grocery store locally. Now, so again, Joe Biden has p uh, passed these uh, executive orders. Whenever a Democrat is in the House, um, there are always, always, always a surplus of um, gun violence, um, mass shootings, and and media coverage, of course, because that only goes to help move their narrative. Now, the gun owners of America, they did lash out in a pretty scathing um, um, statement on their website. Uh, they said, like a dictator, Biden is seeking to unilaterally regulate firearms that gun owners currently own. And he's doing this via executive action, bypassing the constitutional requirements which gives the Congress, which gives, uh, which give Congress the rights to do that. Now it says the GOA stands completely opposed to any effort by the Biden administration to regulate self-built firearms or kits used to assemble a homemade firearm in any manner. The practice of making a firearm at home is older than our republic itself, and the tradition is certainly guaranteed under the Second Amendment today. 
Joe Biden knows he cannot beat gun owners in Congress, so instead he's abusing his executive authority, throwing the full weight of the federal bureaucracy behind his attack on gun owners. Biden has ordered the Attorney General Merrick Garland to further regulate homemade guns and part kits, even without a new act of Congress. And he's ordered a pistol-braced firearm ban, treating them as SBRs under the NFA. That is certain to result in the confiscation, destruction, or coerced registration of millions of pistol AR-15s and other legally purchased pistols. But Gun Owners of America has the street cred to beat the Biden administration at its own game. In case you missed our exciting news from recent days, Gun Owners of America and our sister organization, Gun Owners Foundation, just won our lawsuit to halt the implementation of the bump stock ban. Uh, the legal precedent set by our victory will be instrumental in reigning in the administrative state and preventing the ATF from implementing Biden's gun control. Uh, the GOA and the GO Foundation are going to sue the Biden administration. So uh, that's uh, that's some pretty good news to hear. And of course, you know, once I heard that Biden was actually going to use an executive order, uh, this this man who believes only dictators rule by executive order, right? Once I learned that he was going to do that, um, I I pretty much saw this as um, I pretty much saw this as him signing his death warrant, not to be literal uh, or political political suicide. Um, he would be out quick. And uh, it's just, it's ridiculous to think, it's ridiculous to think that he would actually think he could get away with this under any means, any means. So um, not only is Gun Owners of America standing up against this, I mean, I'm sure all the patriots present are standing up against this too. And uh, as our news director, Joe up 2 said, I guess we're going to find out what it's like to uh, finally uh, ignore an executive order. I was like, indeed we are, sir. But we also had um, some precincts and uh, counties standing up. Now, this just goes to show the power of um, the sheriff, you know, because that is basically where the buck stops in the state. Uh, we had this release from Cache County in Utah from their sheriff's office. Uh, let me go and uh, blow up this article for you. It's a press release that they did. I'll go ahead and get that there on the screen. Now it says, as your sheriff... I would like to address recent statements by President Biden concerning executive orders and the national discussion concerning gun control legislation. I want all our residents to know I believe earnestly all of our consti constitutional rights are guaranteed. And these rights are what make our county unique, our country unique, and the greatest place on earth to live, work, and raise our families. These rights that guarantee our freedoms are what I, as your elected sheriff, and our entire law enforcement family took an oath to support and obey and defend. So you see, guys, if you have a crooked or a Democrat or a progressive sheriff in your town, you need to get rid of him. You need to get one that follows the Constitution because this is where the law ends in your state. Now, it goes on. Recently, President Biden talked about several proposed measures of gun control and plans to sign executive orders. Unconstitutional gun control in any measure will not happen in Cache County on my watch. 
our state has laws already in place that would prohibit some of our citizens from owning or possessing firearms. In example, citizens who are convicted of felony offenses, citizens who have an active protective order, those convicted of domestic violence, people who have certified mental health conditions, and known drug users, just to name a few. Uh, the bottom here says, as your sheriff, I will always stand and fight for all your constitutional rights. I stand at the forefront of this country to protect, uh, of this county, to protect your rights from government overreach. State and federal law, in most cases, does not allow state law enforcement officers to enforce federal laws, nor does it allow federal law enforcement officers to enforce state laws. So, yep, that's what the Tenth Amendment's there for. So all the powers not relegated to the Constitution go back to the states. So that's what it's all about there. So, you know, we're going to see more and more people standing up to this, um, including we also have here a statement from uh, Texas Governor, Governor Abbott. Uh, you, may got, you, might, you might see him a bit, guys, since I'm coming to you from the state of Texas. But uh, he also has been, in spite of some of his history, he also has been one of the governors who has been really fighting for um, a lot of our rights. And, you know, that's why the state of Texas is going to take it, too. If we have to, we will take it to them. Um, so let's see here. Now, with Governor Abbott, he was on Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace. Ah, cannot stand Chris Wallace, the snake in the grass. But let's hear what this uh, this moron host had to uh, say to uh, Governor Abbott in regards to uh, Joe Biden's attempted gun grab. Governor, I want to switch subjects on you. The president announced regulations this week on ghost guns. He wants the Justice Department to publish model red flag legislation for states to consider. You tweeted this after uh, the president's action. Biden is threatening our Second Amendment rights. He just announced a new liberal power grab to take away our guns. The president anticipated that argument that you made there. Take a look. Nothing I'm about to recommend in any way impinges on the Second Amendment. They're phony arguments. Governor, is there any gun control, any limits on guns that you would accept? Well, let me mention a couple of things. One is, uh, I, I think that there is no acceptable way uh, that a president, by executive order, uh, can infringe or uh, on upon Second Amendment rights or alter Second Amendment rights. Uh, second, uh, if the president wanted to do something more uh, than show, if the, if the president really wanted to do something substantively, what he really could do by executive order uh, is to uh, eliminate uh, the backlog uh, of complaints that have already been filed about gun crimes that have taken place. You probably know what NICS is, which is the background check organization. Uh, back in 2018, uh, NICS received 122,000 complaints about people providing false information when they tried to buy a gun. Uh, they sent those to the ATF. The but, ATF but, uh, but sent 12,000. Well, this is important. They sent 12,000 on uh, to U.S. attorneys. U.S. attorneys prosecuted 12. Here's my point. By executive action, but, the, the president could uh, cut down on gun crimes if all he did was was to tell his executive branch to start prosecuting the gun crimes that have already been sent to the federal government. But, but Governor, the, the reason he has to go to executive action is because Republicans in Congress will block any legislation. I, I, let's put up 
the numbers of what we're talking about here. There have already been 10 mass killings by gun already this year, and we're just in April. In each of those cases, at least four victims died. Just this week, in your state of Bryan, Texas, a gunman killed one person and wounded at least five others. Let's not talk about executive action. Whether it's expanding background checks, whether it is passing red flag laws, is there anything that you would accept? Well, first, uh, let me tell you about Bryan, Texas, and I'm going to tell you something that happened in Bryan, Texas that will answer your question. Uh, the shooting in Bryan, Texas, I went to the hospital uh, where victims and their families were the night of the shooting. Uh, and we hugged and we cried uh, and uh, we talked to them about it. And as, as I was talking to family members of one of the victims, uh, they said, Governor, please do not allow uh, this shooting uh, to strip us of our Second Amendment rights. And they explained exactly why. They said the Second Amendment is there for the purpose of self-defense, right. and we need that self-defense now more than ever because of the cartels coming into our state, because of gangs that are operating in neighborhoods, because of the defunding the police that make communities more vulnerable, and because of bail policies that release people who are very dangerous criminals back out on the streets. Texans and Americans know they need their Second Amendment rights to defend themselves at a time when the United States government and other governments are doing less to defend our fellow Americans, and that is exactly why we should not have any further limitations of our Second Amendment rights. I want to get to uh, a success story in Texas. Back on March 2nd, you lifted the mask mandate. You lifted the... Li All right, so that's where we're going to stop on that story. Uh, that Viper pretty much asked uh, Abbott a whole bunch of interesting questions. Uh, they talked about COVID and they talked about uh, the border and stuff like that. But I just wanted to capture what he was saying about uh, what he was saying about uh, Joe Biden's gun grab. And then also a response to that shooting that happened in Bryan, Texas. It's where my, my family's from up north, but um, North Texas. But um, yeah, it was pretty interesting. And, and as he said, as he said in that statement, even the family asked that they do not allow this tragedy to be used to shape the narrative. Of course, I don't think that they would have used it to shape the narrative anyways, because I believe that the shooter was uh, a minority, was a black man, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, that probably wouldn't have been used anyways. But it just goes to show that even people in situations like that are pretty much awake to, um, to, to the way this game is being played between, um, you know, the people who are asleep in the world or in America and uh, our corrupt politicians and, you know, their media friends uh, who are also in the same pocket that they are. So, yeah, that was an interesting, interesting story there coming out. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens in regards to uh, Joe Biden's gun grab. We'll see how far that gets. I know the state of Texas won't be paying attention. Uh, state of Utah will probably not be. There's a whole bunch of people are just going to ignore that. I'm pretty sure. Just a whole bunch of people that are going to ignore it. Oh, there's Stallone. Let me get him off the screen. Okay, guys. So let's see what we have next for you on the report. Let's talk about uh, some of the um, some of the election reform laws that were passed in Georgia. Uh, let's talk specifically about voter ID, though. Now, a lot of y'all know that um, this has been a very, uh, a very big point of consternation for uh, the people on the left, the progressives, the liberals, the Democrats. 
we know that, uh, you know, they're saying things as ridiculous that these reform laws uh, will be uh, bringing back Jim Crow-like laws to the South. Um, but in, in an interesting turn of events, we had um, over 100 top corporations that are CEOs join a first of its kind call to denounce voter ID laws. So, all right, guys, all I'm saying is if I want to drink Coca-Cola, I don't need to know what they think about politics. Uh, if I want to fly on, I mean, I never fly, you know, Delta anyways, but you know, like they have, it's none of their business. Like these corporations, it is none of their business, regardless of what they think. And you know, the funny thing is, that these things, these 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 uh, businesses have always been like geared towards profit, right? But then they have these ridiculous, uh, these ridiculous woke moments where they think that uh, it's their moral and civic duty to stand up against racism, against uh, a, a voter suppression. Uh, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Uh, and this tweet from this dude named Ed O'Keefe, he's the one who confirmed it says here, it's a first of its kind call between more than 100 top corporate leaders on Saturday focused on how to respond to proposed changes in state voting laws. Participants include top leaders of airlines, media, law, investment. It goes on to say those invited include leaders of American Air, American Airlines, United Airlines, the Atlanta Falcons, Levi Strauss, Walmart, Viacom, CBS, um, Aerial Investments, or uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, AMC Theaters, among others. People um, familiar with the meeting tell CBS News. Uh, and now, and now you know, of course, that President Trump has called for a boycott of like all of these companies who are um, who are against the Georgia reform legislature. And you know, I just see it again, um, like kind of the way I saw it is when uh, Trump stepped back from the office of the presidency, optically speaking at least, uh, they put a, a, a dye, you know that liquid tracer dye they put in your veins to see where it goes? So they injected America with this liquid tracer dye. And with Joe Biden optically sitting in office, believing he's the president, doing whatever he wants, actually letting all of his staff and people surrounding him do whatever he wants, because let's face it, throughout his entire campaign season, it was, um, the, it was, his, it was his staff, it was, uh, it was his fellows that he's, uh, he's bringing into the administration that were telling him what his policies were. Like even, even when he did his town hall on CNN with Anderson Cooper, Cooper kept pressing him on certain issues and reminding him, but this is your policy policy, right? This is your policy, right? We're not going to move on until you agree with me, basically, um, is what he was saying. And so everyone has told us Biden's policies for Biden. He doesn't know what's going on. We know this is the truth, right? He has no idea. Um, but uh, we do have all of these companies that are now showing their faces. I mean, the corporations are going to do it. You know, like this die is tracing into the military. It's tracing into the army. It's tracing into the state department. It's tracing into the legislature. It's tracing into the business finance world. It's tracing into the corporations. We are seeing where all of these roots are going just because Trump decided to take a step back optically from the office. So think about that. He's learning all his enemies, right? And uh, let's see here. So there are some people, of course, who are proud of it, but like that's an example. Now, um, 
We also have learned that while we do want to uh, support something like a boycott, obviously, and we know that there have been boycotts throughout the decades, right? Uh, there have been successful ones with Nestle whenever they had that infamil uh, formula um, that was uh, causing babies to get sick around the world. That was a successful boycott. Uh, Nike has been boycotted a couple of times, even though they just jumped back to doing the same thing again, uh, I guess, once they got the political heat off of them. But uh, we did see in this case that Delta Airlines had actually had to cancel over 100 flights in a weekend after this boycott was called for. Of course, they were claiming they were understaffed. But I mean, come on, really? Like, there are no such things as coincidences, guys. And I, I know you guys know that. So anyways, um, I thought that was pretty interesting. I know on, uh, on our part here, like I'm, I'm supporting this boycott as well. However, um, you know, some of the... the some of the more effective ways to do that would be, of course, like getting into your county or your city level, kind of finding out how many, how much money in taxes Walmart saves on property taxes, and then maybe hitting them that way. Maybe a group of a hundred people in a county or in a state or a city sending, uh, going to um, city council and letting them know that you're not going to allow this company to do business in your county, down your street, as long as they're supporting a boycott or as long as they're forcing vaccine passports or as long as they're not allowing business for people who don't get vaccinated or don't wear a mask like these are these that's where we have to hit them um that's where we have to hit them closer to home and also because city council meets like once a week right we don't have to wait every few months in order to pass a vote on this we don't have to write a state uh, state legislature we just gotta talk to our city council people dig up a little dirt on them and then you know see what we can do to move the needle forward but anyways uh, let's see here. Oh, I thought this was a very interesting graphic to share with you guys in regards to um, ID requirements for voting and election seasons in other countries. Now, take a look at this. So um, this is a full or partially Democrat Democratic countries that require ID to register to vote or cast a ballot on election day in all districts. Look at that, guys. Every single country in the world, just about. And let me go ahead and pull down the, uh, the little banner here so you can see all of them. All right. Uh, Iceland, Sweden, New Zealand, Denmark, Canada, Ireland, Finland, Australia. I don't need to read all of them. Malta, United Kingdom, Ecuador, Bangladesh, Montenegro, Ukraine, Mali, Benin, Malawi, Kenya, Liberia, Uganda, Macedonia, Madagascar, Turkey, uh, Kyrgyzstan. Bhutan, uh, some of these places I haven't even heard of. <laughs> Suddenly I feel inefficient. Anyways, but if you notice right here down at the bottom, right where you can't see it, uh, we got the United States of America. We're the only ones with an X. I mean, come on, guys. We are the only country that does not require an ID to vote or to register to vote. That is ridiculous. And you want to talk about us being a third world country? I mean, I know we were headed that way under Obama and we were going to be fast tracked if Hillary Clinton had gotten in uh, even faster tracked, you know, because they're ba basically trying to recover everything they lost. Hence all the children coming into the country unaccompanied. Right. Um, but yeah, that just goes to show like we're we are the ones who are way outdated when it comes to voter ID laws. The United States is the one who's behind, you know, the current when it comes to ensuring that we enforce and that we also um that we also um, secure our elections. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. So you could see, you know, kind of what we look like compared to the rest of the world. And it's kind of ridiculous. Now, here's the thing with all of that. 
we have Joe Biden calling, calling, calling on this being racist. We have the left, the, the left, the progressives, the Democrats, liberals, all of them. Racist, racist, racist. Voter suppression, voter suppression. Black people cannot find a way to get IDs. Black people can't even get to the DMV. I, I'm sure most of you guys are familiar with the X-22 report. And I'd heard, um, I'd heard uh, an episode where he played college students <laughs> who, um, who shared their knowledge about how that works in the black communities, the minority communities. And really these college students, they're the ones who sounded racist. They're like, um, well, not every, every uh, black person or community, they're underprivileged. There's no DMV. They don't know how to use the internet. Wait, what? What did you say? You said that we don't know how to use the internet. Okay. So that's why we had to do this like skit on Q&A holes where, <laughs> cause you know, I am Hispanic, Mexican American. Uh, fourth or fifth generation Texan, very proud. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, we had, uh, we had um, this whole thing where apparently, apparently uh, Joe Biden was going to um, put money, taxpayer money into teaching Mexicans, Hispanics, minorities, black people, how to use the internet. Like, because apparently I don't know how to. Uh, I mean, if you guys knew the running joke, it, it always takes Mr. W about two hours to get me set up here because I just don't even... In fact, he's the one pushing all the buttons in the back. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> anyways, anyways, guys, it's just a joke. But um, let's, <laughs> let's really examine... Uh, let's really examine this whole blacks and uh, Mexicans don't know how to use uh, computers. Why don't we hear it from the whore's mouth? Here's a... Here's a Joe Biden during his, uh, God, you know, I cannot stand playing him, but we're going to do it. Uh, here's Joe Biden during his town hall with, uh, with a uh, Fats Cooper over here. He's getting that little, uh, tire around his belly and, uh, what he thought about minorities and using the internet. The, uh, the other part portion is a lot of people don't know how to register. Not everybody in the community, in the Hispanic and the African-American community, particularly in uh, uh, rural areas that are distant and or inner city districts know how to use, know how to get online to determine how to get in line for that COVID vaccination at the, at the Walgreens or at, at, at the particular store. Okay, so when I saw that, guys, I just about fell out of my chair because I was watching it. Um, I, maybe I watched the recap anyways, but yeah, I nearly fell out of my chair. I was like, oh my God, did he just, did I really get to see Biden make a racist statement <laughs> on live TV? Um, and we know Joe Biden's has had a series of racist statements, but yet someone like him doesn't get canceled. Well, here Joe Biden doubles down on his statement. Let's take a look. Let me uh, ask you a couple questions. Um, <laughs> You're in the south side of Chicago. That's where my kids' grandparents are from, um, and uh, they're uh, um, and you know people are you know they don't have a whole lot of money, and a lot of people don't uh, and, and it's an older population these days. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that I've observed is that there is a reluctance to um, if they don't know how to get online with you. A lot of people don't know how to use that. They may not have a cell phone. They may not uh, have the ability to know how to pick the phone up and get online. They just, and, and so uh, um, they're reluctant. And what I found is, 
from the days of when my dad was raised me that sometimes people when they don't know what to do they're embarrassed to acknowledge they don't know how to do it they don't know how to get it done so how how important do you think it is what one more piece of this we also know because of the way American medicine has taken advantage of African Americans for experimentation over the last hundred years um, that uh, there's a real a real reluctance that still exists in the African American community to get the vaccination even if it's available yeah I ask you all right so there he goes double down on his statements oh, goodness this guy he looks a little puffy in that one all right and then I wanted to play one more. One more clip of this moron. Uh, let's see here. Now I'm going to give you a little bit of context because some of y'all might have heard this sound clip. Now, uh, he was addressing uh, civil rights leaders and the black movement, of course. And then um, he was basically talking about undoing all of Trump's, um, all of Trump's uh, uh, laws, legislations, policies. And so um, he, he wasn't, you know, specifically meaning to be racist. I honestly think this was more of a Freudian flip, but I wanted to give you the context in case people say that, oh, that's not what Joe Biden said. He didn't say this, but he did. I just don't think he realized that what he was saying was as racist as it was. And you probably have heard this one. Take a listen. My whole life, most of you. I've worked in my whole life, most of you. I've been around doing this for a long, long time. I don't always get it right, but I always take responsibility. When I get it wrong, I acknowledge I got it wrong. But my overarching objective, if we cannot make significant progress on racial equity, this country is doomed. It is doomed, not just because of African-Americans, but because by 2040, this country is going to be minority white European. Hear me? Minority white European. And you guys are going to have to start working more with Hispanics who make up a larger portion of the population. You all do in terms of raw numbers. We're going to have to. That, my friends. Gosh, should I feel offended as a Hispanic? <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I nearly fell out of my seat when I heard that one, too. So, you know, we have a racist president. He's pretty overtly racist, you know. And then we have this whole thing about him saying that this is going to suppress voters, that this is going to this is going to um, be a new Jim Crow. And of course, we know that was in reference to uh, the separation of races uh, during that uh, that time. But uh, there's also been some pushback on this as well. Of course, I mean, all the people who understand what's going on, duh, this is apparently, this man is just completely racist. Um, it has nothing to do with racism. It has to do with securing our election. Now, we did have a Utah Republican, um, that is uh, Representative Burgess Owens. Now, he shot back in a statement uh, to HR1 saying HR1 has nothing to do with the people and nothing to do with fortifying our country's election system. Taxpayer funded political campaigns, nullified voter ID laws and nationalized elections are not a successful recipe for restoring faith in our democracy or protecting the voice of American voters. 
not to mention the proposed changes would drastically re-engineer our federal government, our federal form of government by centralizing power in Washington. Now, our elections should be free and fair, not bureaucratized power grabs that benefit only the Democrat majority. Um, and of course, we know like um, the bill that they passed in Georgia um, and, and one that they're attempting to uh, undo, which it didn't do everything it needed to do, as was brought to our attention. Um, it didn't. It didn't secure the signature matching process. It just, it, it, you know, people wanted to make sure that they could go to these ballot boxes, then they weren't secured, like stuff like that. And that was kind of the micro to the macro, which was HR one. So to me, these two bills kind of play off each other because we're seeing it at the federal and the state level, and that's why it was important to um, bring this to the attention. Um, now, background H1, uh, HR1, it would nullify state voter ID laws, which is what we're fighting for, right? It would mandate same-day registration in all 50 states. Like, now, I know they do that in Colorado, um, but we don't do that here in Texas. Uh, it abolishes signature notarization requirements for mail-in ballots. Um, it would uh, mandate that absentee ballots be accepted up to 10 days after the election. And it would mandate states and ballots in the mail proactively, which, you know, if you want to be like Colorado again, you're just going to automatically send, you know, a ballot out to anyone who's on your voter roll, whether it's Fido or someone who's been dead for 100 years, because Lord knows none of these states clean out their voter rolls. And then it will also force taxpayers to pay politicians to campaign for office, which is ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> What line on what line on my tax form do I click off to like you know not be a part of that you know so we had one rep we had one representative um, from Utah who's fighting back against these voter ID laws and then we also had um, getting back to Georgia and what they were doing with their state ID laws and how they're fighting for their rights there um, we also had uh, members of the black clergy the black clergy in Georgia hit back. Now, from just the news, we saw that the conservative clergy of color, a group of black pastors, priests, and ministers, is running a full-page ad in the Atlanta Constitution Journal newspaper saying it's correcting the lies President Biden and Georgia Democrat politician Stacey Abrams have told about the state's new voting laws. Um, so let's pull up that ad real quick. Oh, <laughs> Stacey Abrams. Watch that gap tooth there, guys. It's not sexy on everyone. Okay, so it says Joe Biden, Stacey Abrams, stop lying. Let me blow that up for you. About the Georgia Election Integrity Act. Now, it has lies versus truth. They took out a full page ad. It says here, uh, the new law restricts early voting. The law expands. Now, that's a lie. And the, it says here, the truth is the law expands early voting hours and additional weekend voting opportunities, including Sundays. Voter ID requirements are racially discriminatory. That's a lie. The truth is IDs are necessary for numerous everyday activities and the law even lets voters use documents like utility bills instead of state issued IDs. Uh, it says restrictions on distributing food and water to voters are intended to make voting more uncomfortable for minor minority voters because certainly white people don't need to eat or drink food, right? Uh, the law only prohibits using free food and beverage as a form of electioneering. And then the law eliminates absentee ballot drop boxes. That's a lie. Drop boxes never existed before the pandemic. The new law creates rules to keep them and the ballots inside secure. 
And uh, finally, the new law allows takeovers of local election administration, a lie. The truth is the law protects voters when local officials fall, fail to prevent excessive lines of struggle to process absentee ballots. Joe Biden, Stacey Abrams, like elections, lies have consequences. Stop lying. There's nothing racist about the Election Integrity Act, and it's certainly not a Jim Crow 2.0. Your lies are now devastating minority small businesses in Atlanta following the MLB's decision to move in to move its all-star game to Denver, resulting in a loss of $100 million in business. Enough is enough. So, yep, you see that there now in um, a follow-up to that, uh, Bishop Aubrey Shines, who is the founder of... Sorry, let me get that down. <laughs> I know you guys don't want to see her. We'll talk about her in just a sec. Okay. Uh, now, um, Bishop Aubrey Shines of the Glory of God Ministries and founding member of Conservative Clergy of Color said... Biden and Abrams keep saying the Election Integrity Act is worse than Jim Crow, which is an insult to the millions of black Americans. The truth is that this law actually expands access to ballot box while also taking common sense steps to protect the sanctity of every legal vote. We believe that it should be easy to vote and hard to cheat, and the Georgia Integrity Act makes that possible for all voters. As our ad points out, the lies that Biden and Abrams are telling about the law aren't just another example of political theater. Like elections, lies have consequences. The MLB's decision to relocate the All-Star Game in response to the left's irresponsible and baseless assertions will deprive hardworking Georgians, including countless Black-owned businesses and their employees, of a much-needed economic boost that would have helped them recover from the pandemic-induced economic turndown. There's nothing racist about Election Integrity Act. So yeah, that was very, very, very interesting article. I was very uh, happy to have found that as it was being reported. But now let's get Abrams back on the screen. I know you're afraid that you're going to get sucked into that black hole. No pun intended, right? But um, it's interesting to note that Abrams is under fire now. Uh, from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, a superior court judge ruled a voting registration group founded by Stacey Abrams should turn over bank records to state ethics investigators who say it advocated for her election as governor in 2018 without registering as a campaign committee or filing disclosure showing how much it raised or spent. Under Georgia law, organizations that collect and spend money to promote candidates and issues are required to register committees with the state and file regular reports disclosing what they raised and spent. They are also not allowed to coordinate their efforts with a candidate. The Ethics Commission alleges the New Georgia Project and the New Georgia Project Action Fund solicited contributions and made expenditures to promote several candidates and causes in 2018, including Abrams. These expenditures included, but were not limited to, canvassing activities, literature expressly advocating for the election of candidates, and operating field offices where these electionary activities were coordinated. According to the evidence cited in Gwinnett County Superior Court Judge by Warren Davis's order. Now, New Georgia lawyers moved to quash a subpoena asking for bank records from the group, a motion Davis denied last week. New Georgia said it will appeal the ruling. Now, um, it also says here last summer, a group backing Abrams in 2018 gubernatorial bid was fined $50,000 by the State Ethics Commission for failing to report what it spent to help her win the Democrat primary. 
Um, gente for Abrams, or Spanish for people for Abrams, spent $240,000 for canvassing, social media posts, and print and radio advertising to help Abrams win the primary, but the group did not report what it spent or where it got the money to pay for those efforts, the commission said. The group later registered with the state and reported spending about $685,000 more to help the Democrats' general election campaign against Kemp. Um, and it says Abrams narrowly lost the 2018 general election to Kemp, which was the most expensive gubernatorial contest in Georgia history. Uh, now, this uh, person, Imadi, had revealed that investigators intend to present evidence that Abrams' campaign accepted donations from four groups that exceeded maximum contribution limits for a statewide campaign. Abrams' attorney has denied the claim, and her campaign manager said the commission has failed to prove wrongdoing. So we will see how that wraps and um, how that story moves along with Abrams um, and all of her, all of her, uh, you know, wicked ways going on there in Georgia, all that collusion. All right. So we're going to wrap up the C report today with the video. We're going to show you guys a video about the hope for our future, right? <laughs> uh, so this is just someone visiting uh, Georgia, Louisa, Georgia State maybe he's uh he's there in georgia talking with students about campus reform laws and uh you know it's kind of one of those gotcha things uh but let's go ahead and give it a look to see what the kitties are thinking Smith with campus reform, the new Georgia voting law has received a lot of negative criticism. President Joe Biden called it Jim Crow on steroids. We're here at Georgetown University today. We're going to be reading some of the parts of this bill off to students and get their reactions to it. But we're not going to tell them just yet that it's the Georgia voting bill. Maybe they'll realize that this bill isn't as bad as people are making it out to be. Who knows? But let's find out. Would you support some, some sort of common sense like voter legislation? Um, yeah. I would like more direct representation. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. We're from Georgia, so um, there's a lot of voter suppression in Georgia, and I think that there needs to be a lot more freedom and accessibility towards polls and extending hours. Really, I would have to take it on a place-by-place basis and determine, like, which location are we talking about and what are their voting laws and go from there. The, like, original system was created because, like, the pop, they thought the populace was, like, too dumb. There's some legislation going around and a lot of people are talking about it. Some of the things it would do uh, to expand voting is it would require weekend early voting for two Saturdays. It was previously just one, so now it would be two. Also give counties the option to expand it to two Sundays as well. It would uh, clarify the polling hours more, make it more evident when voting is, when you can go uh, cast your vote, and it would ban electioneering within 150 feet of the polls. It would require uh, voter identification for in-person and absentee so that you can't cast multiple ballots, uh, you can't vote illegally. Would you support legislation like that? Yeah, uh, I mean, making sure that people aren't casting more than one vote, and that, that sounds kind of common sense to me, so. Yeah, um, I think that allowing voters more time to vote is never a bad thing. I think that verify, like making sure that they can verify their identity is also not a bad thing, so that there's no like illegal voting happening or anything like that. <laughs> Definitely the first two, yeah. Why not the last one? Not everyone has access to an ID or has the ability to get one. Not everybody has a static location where they live. Yeah, definitely the first two and having it available more um, open on weekends, especially because a lot of people just work during the week. 
the ability to vote on the weekend specifically makes a lot of sense. Do you think that this would be a good substitute for the, the Georgia the Georgia <laughs> bill? Obviously, Joe Biden called it the Jim Crow on steroids, so... Yeah, yeah, anything's better than that. You would support this over that? For sure. Yeah, you? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think that anything that suppresses voters isn't helpful. If you're truly trying to, like, reform voting, you should try and make it so it's more accessible. I think the form former is what you... What I would agree with, yes. Like, everything you said makes sense in terms of a proposition for, for voting. My understanding was that Biden was misrepresenting it a little bit and calling it Jim Crow. What if I told you that this actually was the Georgia voting bill? Would that shock you? As far as like I was knowledgeable about it, yeah, it would shock me, yes. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah, I mean, it does open it more, but it's still, there's less locations. What have you heard about the Georgia bill? It did ban uh, allowing people to like give water to voters. Election officials are actually, they're allowed to give out water. Uh, you can go outside of uh, the 150-foot uh, zone of the voting area and grab water and stuff. It just bans pi uh, electioneering from 150 uh, within 150 feet. Do you think that the the media and politicians are kind of fanning some flames to try to stoke division? Do you think that when people actually will actually read the bill, they'll see it's actually not that bad? Um, probably. I think that uh, like I didn't read up on the Georgia bill before, and so I mean I don't know if anyone was deliberately like flaring this up. Does this legislation I just read off to sound like Jim Crow on steroids? Um, no, I guess not. Do you think if more people actually, you know, stopped listening so much to what the politicians and the media were saying and actually read the bill for themselves, do you think that they would come away with a different conclusion? I think that they might come away with a different conclusion. I think so. It seems too often to borrow the substance of it. You know, we have three years until, until the next election, two and a half, whatever. Do you think that's enough time for people to get an ID? No. I think it's kind of classist to require it. A, a poll came out that showed 70% of black Americans do support voter ID. So, you know, a lot of people are calling it Jim Crow suppression and stuff, but the majority of black Americans actually support it. Okay, I don't. Okay. Oh, my Sorry. goodness. Oh, let me stop that commercial. All right, guys, that's the hope of America. That's the hope of America. All right, we're wrapping up here. Thanks for hanging out. I forgot to give you those Rasmussen... Uh, those Rasmussen percentages. Uh, real quick, 74% of whites, 69% of blacks, 80% of other minorities support voter ID. All right, guys, we will be back tomorrow at the same time, same place. Don't forget, we will be here tonight live with Q&A hosts live. Myself, Mr. W, and uh, Joe 102 will be joining us. Be here or be square or just be a sphere, whatever you want to be. Either way, just be here. We'll see you guys tonight. Have a good evening. Enjoy your dinner. I hope it's something good. She will make America great again. Q&A horse. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Q&A horse. Thank you.